Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. <laughs> now, back to Will and Dibby on 95.7 The Game. Nice, bringing us back with a little flavor here. A little, uh, little flavor from the 80s, Larry <laughs> Kruger. You and I, this little, is our little beasties. Yeah, no doubt. Larry Kruger in for Mark Willard today. Mark back tomorrow. And it is an exciting day here on this Thursday. It's Willard and Dibs. We are getting ramped up for 49ers and Cowboys. And let's make this happen right now. We'll turn our attention to the phones. All guests appear on the Bud Light guest line. Bud Light, easy to drink, easy to enjoy. He's an NFL insider and 49ers reporter. Matt Barrows, he joins us. Matt, what's going on? How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing great. Getting really excited for this Cowboy Niner game. I'll start you with a softball because that's what I, <laughs> I like to do. Shout out to Jenny Finch. Uh, high scoring game, low scoring game. Which way do you see this one playing out on Sunday? Yeah, I see high scoring, um, and, and of course that means that it'll be uh, ten to six. <laughs> but uh, yeah, my thought is uh, gorgeous day on Sunday. Uh, no rain in the forecast, and you've got these two offenses that really looked uh, great in their in their opening round games. And this is sort of a, a playoff thing uh, in, in my mind. Uh, unless you're playing in Green Bay, usually by this point in the season. Um, the uh, you know the offenses have kind of worked things out, uh, not not uh, making as many penalties. Uh, they kind of understand the concepts, this, that, and the other. The defenses might be worn down a little bit after playing uh, 18 games. So um, you know, and, and I think that's that's sort of the key to this 49ers team is that. Perhaps in previous uh, iterations of the 49ers, they couldn't keep pace with, uh, you know, Dak Prescott uh, uh, at, at full throttle or maybe a Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen, those types of teams. But you know, this has been a scoring machine with Brock Purdy. Really the only game that they, uh, they struggled to score points was that game in Seattle where Brock Purdy had, you know, essentially a, uh, uh, his, uh, his right side was uh, impaired with that uh, oblique injury. So um, he's uh, full go now. This offense is certainly full go. Every member of that uh, that weaponry that he has uh, is on the field. Um, and, uh, you know, I'd be surprised if uh, they, they score fewer than 30 points. 
You know, it's it's funny. People have said, oh, Purdy's got the it factor. And I'm like, well, what is it? You know, and I, I guess I would say it's it's a combination of touch and timing and accuracy. Um, but I guess I'll throw it to you. I mean, what does he have that stands out to you? And what surprises you about his ascension? Because he's just he's just been spectacular. Yeah, well, you know, the the it to me is it, it happened in that Miami game where he just came in cold, and you thought, oh boy, seventh round pick, kind of taking over this offense. Uh, there's going to be all sorts of mistakes, and the timing's going to be off. And um, it was none of that. He he hit the ground running, and um, I give you know full credit to him and, and to the 49ers defense really, because I I, I think it's really related to the fact that he was he had been functioning as the scout team quarterback he'd been going up against Jimmy Ward and Fred Warner and Nick Bosa in practices and to both of their credits i mean uh, Purdy was was pushing it in those practices um, and he was kind of figuring out what the pacing is, the timing is, in order to complete a pass against a, a, a top-tier unit. And so uh, that, I think that ended up being extremely beneficial to everybody uh, because when he got into that Miami game, there was no lag, uh, and he just kind of took off from there. I mean, it, it went from the Miami game to Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, and uh, you know that was one of his, his best games. So <laughs> every week... It's like a different challenge for him. Um, you know, it's going from, oh, boy, his first ever start. It's against Tom Brady. Oh, boy, his first ever road game. It's in Seattle. Uh, and now he's got, uh, he's got the Cowboys coming in for his first ever divisional playoff game against really uh, the, the first really good team that he's played. I think there's been a lot of mediocrity. Uh, in the in the opponents that they've had, um, and this is uh, this is another big test for him on Sunday. How much of that plays into the 49ers maybe being a little bit cautious going into this game? The fact that they haven't played a bunch of world beaters. Seattle, yes, they were a playoff team, but but barely. Washington and Vegas and Arizona teams that were not in the postseason. Is there some concern that? The 49ers are facing the toughest team that they've played in the better part of two months? Yeah, I mean, I think that has to be a concern. Um, I mean, look at the last really great team that they played. Uh, it was the Chiefs in Week 7. And then it's been a bunch of teams that uh, are either not very good or, or around 500. I mean, e- each of those teams has been flawed. And to their credit, the, the 49ers have dispatched uh, most of these teams pretty pretty thoroughly, with the with the exception of the Raiders. Um, but um, yeah, they they really haven't played one of the the titans of the NFL. And um, uh, you know, I think the Cowboys are are in that category. I think the Eagles certainly are in that category. So if both the Forty ers and the and the Eagles win, of course, that uh, championship game will be in Philadelphia, and then that will be the the biggest test. <laughs> They win that one. Uh, it'll probably be the Chiefs or the Bills or maybe the the, the Bengals. And then that will be the biggest one. But um, yeah, I, I think that's a a, a great point. Um, uh, like I said, uh, a lot of teams are 
sort of in that uh, that mediocre range in the NFL, and um, those have been mostly the 49ers' opponents since Week 7. One of the interesting elements of this thing is both defensive coordinators, D'Amico and uh, Quinn, had been interviewing for multiple jobs this week. Matt, do you have any idea, and I was asked this question yesterday, what the time impact is for an interview with a, with a prospective head coach? I mean, has D'Amico spent two hours on this? Has he spent 20 hours on this? I mean, what, what do you know? Well, I mean, um, I, I would think that he got a lot of it, a lot of the heavy lifting out of the way last year when he was interviewing for the Vikings job. Remember, he pulled out of that job, but he pulled out of the, the second interview. So he had one. Um, so he, I, I think he, he, you know, knew what he was going to be asked. He had prepared last year. So uh, I'm sure he had some of his ducks in a row then. And then, you know, the 49ers have the benefit of, of having played uh, on Saturday of last week, whereas the, the Cowboys played on Monday. And so the 49ers had an extra day off. So I can only imagine, and, and D'Amico Ryan speaks later today, but I can only imagine that he took one of those off days um, and did a lot of the preparation for his uh, his upcoming interview. So he's got he's got the Broncos tonight, and then um, I believe he has the Texans tomorrow. And you know what? I have no idea how long those interviews are. I, I would guess they're an hour, maybe two hours. Um, but uh, you know, this this happens every off season, and uh, you know. Uh, I, I, I don't think that it's a big um, hindrance to his uh, his weekly preparations. NFL insider, 49ers reporter Matt Barrows here. Willard and Dibbs, 95-7 the game. Larry in for Mark Willard. Two of the last three opponents have gone over 100 yards rushing. Is it just a case that they faced good ground games, or is this run defense starting to show some slippage? Yeah, you know what, um, th- that first half against the Seahawks was, was not good. Um, and they, they turned things around in the second half, obviously. The, the Seahawks scored one touchdown late against, uh, you know, uh, a, a defense that was full of backups. But I, I did get the sense yesterday in the locker room that the 49ers are concerned about intensity, that they went into Dallas last year, and this is Nick Bosa speaking, that they, they, they played with their hair on fire in that game. And that was a continuation of, of how they were playing at the end of that season. Remember, they had, to, they had to basically win out in order to even make the playoffs. So they were already on a roll. And, um, you know, if there's any concern, it's that they haven't quite captured that intensity level that they had going into that game into Dallas. They, they hit... Dak Prescott 14 times in that game. That's a huge, huge number. Um, and, and they did it without Bosa for the second half. So it really was um, sort of an all-hands-on-deck situation where, where everybody was stepping up, and they were getting contributions from Charles Menehue and uh, Jordan Willis and Kevin Givens and Aziz Alshair. I mean, all these guys that are sort of in backup roles kind of stepped to the fore in that game. They, uh, Bosa's point was that they need that effort um, in this game. Um, they need to rattle Dak Prescott. They can't make him, allow him to be as comfortable as he was against the Buccaneers. Um, and so uh, I, I think you're right. There, there, there's a kind of a tightening that needs to happen. Um, and, um, you know, that's sort of, 
the the double-edged sword of kind of, uh, you know, wrapping up the division on December 15 and then sort of coasting into the playoffs, whereas last year you were really kind of struggling to get into the playoffs. Yeah, you're you're more rested, you're more recovered. This is a much healthier team, by far healthier team, but they don't have quite the same momentum that uh, that they had uh, at this point last season. You know, it's interesting. The Niners, I agree. I think the Niners' defensive line's got to impact this game and put pressure on, on Prescott. Prescott's got 15 picks in 12 games, so he will throw you one. But you like this game to be high scoring. I agree with you there. I'm a little concerned, to be honest, about Gibson, Hafanga, and Lenore, and even a little bit on Charvarius Ward after watching him the last couple weeks, down the field, playing with poise, with the ball in the air, especially contesting the, you know, at the high point, you know, some of these balls that Prescott throws up there. How concerned are you? You like a high-scoring game. Does that make you think that that the Niners' secondary is not going to be able to stand up? How concerned do you think the 49ers are about their secondary? Uh, You know, look at the last three games. I mean, uh, Devontae Adams goes well over 100 yards, a couple of TDs in in Las Vegas. Then A.J. Green comes in and has a big, you know, touchdown to open the game. He he was close to 100 yards in that contest as well. And then D.K. Metcalf, uh, another monster game last week. So they've been, uh, you know, big, savvy, tall receivers have been the thorn uh, in the 49ers' side the last three weeks. They've got another one coming in in, in CeeDee Lamb. I mean, uh, I, yeah, I think everybody who watched that Monday night game saw Dalton Schultz have a, have a huge game. Uh, so, obviously, the, the Cowboys found um, some uh, some room in that Tampa defense to, to really kind of hit, hit Schultz. He was close to 100 yards in that one as well. I mean, uh, to me, that, that kind of shows the diversity of, of the Cowboys' attack. I mean, you had to remember the Raiders game. They were hitting Darren Waller. They had Josh Jacobs at running back. They had Devontae Adams at wide receiver. All three phases were, were clicking against the 49ers, and, and the Cowboys absolutely have that potential. Got two really good running backs. They've got Schultz, who's probably the kind of unsung member of that offense, and then they've got uh, the, the C.D. Lamb and, and Michael Gallup on the outside. So um, it, there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of things to worry about with that Cowboys offense. We haven't even talked about Dak Prescott running the ball. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's, uh, that's a concern. You know, the 49ers will go into this game saying, okay, if we take away the run, then everything will kind of fall into place. So, to me, that's, that's the key. Uh, the Seahawks were able to establish the, the run early. They, they attempted 20 runs in the first half on Saturday. The, the 49ers have to kind of discourage that uh, level of running early on, I think, in order to really kind of take control defensively. It's going to be fascinating to see the push-pull from both sides of the ball. Matt Barrows, thank you for joining us, and uh, enjoy the game Sunday. We'll probably see you down there. All right, I look forward to it. Talk to you later. Thanks, Matty. Yeah, appreciate that. Matt Barrows, NFL 49ers reporter, one of the real sharp minds in the Bay Area. Larry, you asked a great question thank that you. leads us to something that you had brought my attention to prior to the show in the green room, and that's this. Eight coaches remaining, obviously eight teams, eight coaches. It makes sense mathematically. Seven of them with an offensive background. And you asked Matt Barrows about D'Amico Ryan's interviewing for jobs that are available. The only defensive-minded head coach remaining is Sean McDermott in Buffalo. So 
First of all, what do you think of that trend? And secondly, how does this affect D'Amico Ryan's ability to go out and get a job being a defensive-minded coordinator looking for a head coaching gig? Well, it, it, it really is interesting. And, you know, um, I, you know, a buddy of mine used to work for the Raiders, and I remember him talking when the Raiders were looking for a number of different head coaches through the years that Al always preferred somebody who could call the plays, the offensive play caller, Lane Kiffin, yeah. John Gruden, um, over a defensive guy or over even a guy like Joe Bugle, who he had, who was an offensive line coach. So the I think there's now thought to be – you want the head coach to have play calling ability, um, but it's cyclical, right? I mean, we've seen some defensive coaches rise up. Right now, it seems like we're in a period where the best teams are have offensive minded head coaches. I mean, a guy like Mike McCarthy is interesting though because he's not the defensive play caller. He's got an offensive background, but he's yeah. not the offensive play caller. You know what I'm saying? So, what is he? He's like the Bobby Bowden of the NFL or something. Nice. He's you know he's he's uh, managing. Yeah, the you CEO. Know? Which, he's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What's his job to? You know, you know, tell Jerry and Steven, uh, you know, you guys are right or whatever. I don't know what his job is, but he's not calling the plays and he's not calling the defense. So um, I think it, whether it impacts D'Amico, I think D'Amico is on the real short list. I think the list was Sean Payton, but you got to trade for Sean Payton. Yeah. Jim Harbaugh, he went back to Michigan. And then I think D'Amico might be right there at the top of the, the list, the rest of the list. Yeah. Um, and no, we Eric Bieniemy, who continues to not be in these circles in terms of likelihood to get a job, and yet he's a guy who's done a ton as a coordinator and as a play caller with Andy Reid, and yet for some reason he doesn't seem to get a sniff this time of year. Yeah, and, and then we've seen some um, defensive coaches come in and do a decent job. I think Eberflus, as a lot of yeah. people feel like he's doing a good job in Chicago. He's got a defensive mindset. So D'Amico, you know, and, and the thing is, then the other question is, how good of of a defensive coach is D'Amico? Well, you know, it's all about the players. I mean, Robert Sala had was great and got a head coaching job, but then before he was great, he was on the next ticket out of town yeah. because the talent wasn't great. So, uh, to me, it's a lot more about the personnel than about the about the uh, about the coaches yeah. and what they do. But it's what you can do with the personnel and certainly you know I think a defensive coordinator in particular you're definitely reliant on how good your team is in terms of how good your defense is going to be how good are your defensive players you can call a great game as a coordinator but if you don't have any game records up front if you don't have secondary corners who can actually cover and linebackers who can tackle then you're not going to be as good of a coordinator but I look at D'Amico Ryans in terms of the head coach and see what he does as a motivator and as a leader of men. And, you know, even Kyle Shanahan, who does it in his unique way, he's more than just the laminated play sheet. He's a guy who has this locker room. There's no, there's no schism in terms of, you know, the players turning on him. The only controversy, and it wasn't even one, was the Brandon Ayuk doghouse rumblings from last year. And Kyle handled that in the right way. So for D'Amico Ryan's, the way he leads this team, yes, they're a good defense, and as a result, he's seen as a good coordinator, but you get the sense that he's a real leader of men. If I'm D'Amico, I'm looking at Brady and Belichick and the success they had and saying, you know what, what was the magic there? Well, you had a brilliant coach. He was a defensive coach, and you had a, a you know, a once-in-a-lifetime kind of a quarterback. If I'm D'Amico... I think I would prioritize going somewhere where there was a established good quarterback 
in place, you know, because he's going to handle the defensive side of the ball. I thought it was interesting, too, when Shanahan and Lynch took over the Niners. They spent a lot of money and a lot of draft capital early on on bolstering the defense because Shanahan believed they could find guys after the draft that would fit his system and did. Raheem Mostert, yeah. Jeff Wilson, and others. Um, and then he felt like he his, implement, his addition to the offense would give that offense a shot in the arm. So I think you need a little bit of balance. I think Buffalo's interesting. They got the defensive coach. They got Josh Josh Allen, they got Ken Dorsey kind of running the O. Yeah, Ken Dorsey uh, smashing cameras in one of the uh, great viral <laughs> he's moments. Uh, he's, yeah, shout out to uh, Miramani. He's an Arindi kid. That's right. He's a good guy and a former Niner. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Larry's in for Mark today, and it's Willard and Dibbs. 888-957-9570. We're talking about who you're scared of on this Dallas team, but you mentioned Kyle Shanahan and fines and his ability to get undrafted guys. Drafting running backs hasn't necessarily been their thing. John Lynch on with the morning roast yesterday. Niners GM talked about a running back that they were able to acquire. He's been a godsend, you know. I'll tell you, everything you see on the field, you think you know a player, and then it's always you have a little bit of a different reality when you when you see him up close, when they're on your team. And he's just as good as we ever thought he was on the field or better. I think the intelligence that he plays with is really just elite. His skill, his versatility, all that. But I, I just think the commitment to being that player is probably what you don't know from afar. And, and man, this guy, I'm, I tell people all the time he works he works coaches hours he's here in the morning when you get here he's still here when you're leaving and it's just so impressive and john lynch on christian mccaffrey larry they traded four future draft picks for christian mccaffrey some panned the trade i know espn gave it a c minus does this go down as the best deal in 49ers history that's a great question. Because um, there's been some good traded ones. a two and a four for Steve Young. That's a good trade. <laughs> that was a good trade. Yeah, and then they that put him on trade. ice for about five seasons. Yeah, eventually um, they turned to the lefty. That was a good trade, and they've probably made some other good trades. They've made some horrendous trades. Yeah, uh, Charles Haley to the Cowboys. Yeah, uh, was a horrendous trade. The Niners have not lost since the Christian McCaffrey trade. It's hard to believe. Now, here's the question I would have, and I was debating this with a buddy last night. We were debating who has had the more profound impact on the 49ers offense. Is it McCaffrey and is the turnaround about him or is it Purdy and the turnarounds about him? Um, I He argued McCaffrey. That's what I would argue. I argued Purdy. And 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 I, the, what I pointed to was, well, they had McCaffrey against New Orleans and they only scored 13 points. But when, since Purdy has stepped in, right, 33 against Miami, 35 against Tampa, the best-rated defense he had faced all year, 21 on the road against Seattle, 37 against the Commanders, who have arguably one of the best defensive fronts in the game, 37 in overtime in Vegas, 38 against Arizona, and 41 last week against Seattle. I would say, as much as I like McCaffrey, and McCaffrey's a huge impact, I think Purdy has been the real difference maker. I mean, if you really look at those numbers, whatever they're averaging, 37 a game right. or whatever since he stepped in, I mean, that's hard to that's hard to deny. They've been the best offense in football, certainly from before Brock Purdy came in, but since Brock Purdy took over, he's been spectacular. That New Orleans game was a weird one. It was. McCaffrey, 11 carries for 32 yards. 
The Niners didn't do anything in that game offensively. The defense was so dominant. That one felt kind of like a second gear game where they they were able to just kind of coast yeah. along and you know handle a team that was largely overmatched. But what Christian McCaffrey does for the other guys, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, even you know Kyle Juszczyk and his ability to occasionally run it and catch the ball out of the backfield. When C- Christian McCaffrey is on the field, defenses absolutely have to take notice. And I think what it's done for Kyle Shanahan, too, in terms of his ability to scheme at a higher level is what makes me think that his impact has been a little bit greater than Brock Purdy. This is not to sell short a quarterback who has... Never lost a game, <laughs> right. Mary. You know, a rookie, last guy in, in the draft, has come on. And not only did the Niners not miss a beat, they actually got better since Brock Purdy took over. 888-957-9570. We'll throw that out there to you as well. Who's had a bigger impact on this team? Christian McCaffrey, the acquisition midseason, or the ascension of Brock Purdy. We see Mark on the phones, a couple other calls that are waiting. We will get to you on the other side. Cowboy legend Danny White going to join us at 1130. I'm looking forward to getting a cowboy perspective on the rivalry. And I also want to get your thoughts on the other side, Larry, about this rivalry. You're a Bay Area guy. Yeah. Old enough to remember the catch, as do I. I don't know if you go back to the early 70s and those games, but we'll get your thoughts on where this rivalry ranks and some of your great memories of the Cowboys and the 49ers. Get geared up for the playoffs with our store. You know, we've got a store now. You've got a store. Yes. We've got the Krug Show podcast t-shirts. I'm wonder if Guru's going to rock one today. I got one for you too, Dibs. I love it. He loves to pimp the pod uh, almost <laughs> as much as, as you do. But uh, we have relevant t-shirts, DPOY shirts, merch from every show, including Willard and Dibs with the trademark what are you doing? Really? Is it on the front or the back? I believe it's on the front. Yeah, okay. it's classic Willard, what are you doing? So we got what are you doing shirts. Uh, so we got Rat on the Table from Steiny and Guru. All kinds of great merch from every show. Get yours today at 957thegameshop.com. That's 957thegameshop.com. We'll go to the phones next and we'll talk Cowboy Niner rivalry as well. Willard and Dibs with Kruger in for Willard on 95.7 The Game. Wait, Mark. We're back in. It's Willard and Dibs. Larry Kruger in for Mark Willard. We're just reminiscing a little bit about being kids and going to 49er games. And people couldn't give tickets away, Larry. Seriously. They couldn't give them away. In the 70s. Yeah. In the 70s, you'd come back from church on a Sunday and... and We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today. You know, two people would call and be like, hey, man, you want my tickets to the game? <laughs> I mean, it was a regular occurrence. Right. Something happened in 1981 and never the phone never rang again no. offering tickets. That was the first game I ever went to, Cowboys Niners 45-14, and then the... Of course, the NFC Championship game, the catch game, as it has been so dubbed. And just a quick story. We're going to go to the phones. Mark wants to talk about who he's scared of. And also, 888-957-9570, who's made a bigger impact offensively this year? Christian McCaffrey, when he was acquired, or Brock Purdy, when he came in to replace Jimmy Garoppolo? I'd love to hear your opinion on that. 888-957-9570. But... The station, when it launched, I was the first person hired. Your buddy Chris Townsend was already here. Right. I joined Townie, and at the time, the station was called Sports Radio 957 because we took over... The Wolf. The Wolf Country Station. So between my hiring, the launch was April 15th, 2011, and on August 1st was when we were going to debut the new station. And so during that time... I was having conversations because I was already on board. What are we going to name the station? And so we were throwing out ideas, and I had two that I suggested. One was 95.7 The Play after Cal Stanford, obviously. And, you know, it's a playoff of sports. But the other one was 95.7 The Catch was my was my recommendation, not only for Dwight Clark, but also Willie Mays. You recall sure. the famous catch when he's Big got his... Words, yeah, 54 exactly. series. Of course, yeah. you'll never forget it. So those are two names that wound up on the cutting room floor, and here we are 42 years removed from the catch, and we talk Cowboy Niner rivalry again. Yeah, oh, and it's an incredible rivalry, and I wasn't there for the early 70s stuff because I was born in 70. 81, I was 11. And it was and that's just right when you start to get into that yeah. peak sports oh. fandom. I think my first Super Bowl that I ever watched was Vikings Raiders Super Bowl eleven. Uh, yeah, and that was probably you know I was seven, six or seven years old. Um, and Sammy White got blown up by George Atkinson and yeah. Jack Tatum, and oh, uh, wow, it was an incredible day. Uh, Raiders O line dominated, but yeah, the Niners in eighty one. That was an incredible, and they beat them 45-14 in the regular season, and Dallas was on top, right? Dallas had gone to Super Bowl ten, Dallas, and, and lost to the Steelers. They had gone and won Super Bowl twelve um, over the Denver Broncos, right? And then they had lost Super Bowl thirteen to the to the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. So this is Super Bowl sixteen, just a couple years later, and all those guys were still hanging out. Tutal Jones, Harvey Martin, Randy White, Charlie Waters. Cliff Harris, Tony Dorsett, Roger Staubach. I mean, it was, you know, Drew Pearson, Calvin uh, uh, Calvin Hill, I believe. Um, yeah. 
Is that right? Is that Calvin Hill? Um, I mean, they just had incredible players. Dallas had just a ju- they were a juggernaut. They had as good a talent as anybody in football. And the belief was that they were going to come in the second time around. They were going to knock the 49ers on their can. And it wasn't a clean game. Were you just telling me there were how many turnovers? Six turnovers, according to football reference. I, I know that Montana threw three picks. The Niners had three fumbles. They lost them all. Dallas fumbled four times. They lost two of them, but seven total fumbles in the game, nine total turnovers. And we all remember the game for the classic ending. Montana rolls right, hits Dwight Clark, and all that. Montana had a bad game. Yeah, he did. Montana was not sharp. He threw for 286 and three touchdowns. But as I mentioned, three interceptions and a fumble for Joe Montana. Well, and then, of course, the 90s. I mean, Niners-Cowboys. The Niners would have had three or four more rings if not for Jimmy Johnson and Jerry Jones and and the Cowboys of the 90s. The ones that stand out to me, okay, the 92, and I've talked about this with Steve Young, the 92 NFC Championship game. Yeah. Steve Young against against the Cowboys at Candlestick. Niners were the better team. Cowboys won the time of possession. Cowboys won it on the Harper, you know, go route at the end, um, down the middle. Um, and I remember Jimmy Johnson trying to put it in the Niners' face that day, trying to go for a touchdown late, and the Niners threw Michael Carter in there and had a goal line stand, and that enabled the Niners to have a chance to come back. They didn't. Dallas won, went on to the Super Bowl, and won it. Uh, but that one stands out to me because, I mean, to me, that was the true last clash of Titans. It was pre-salary cap. Exactly. Niners were loaded. Cowboys were loaded. Hall of Famers everywhere you look. So that one stands out. The other one that stands out, Eric Davis, 94. He picks off the pass. Niners jump up to a 21-0 lead and hold on against a dominating Cowboys team. Exactly. But the one that I just loved, I was in Texas Stadium with my buddy Pete sitting at the 50-yard line for Niners-Cowboys Elvis Gerback, 1995. Wow. Niners rolled in 13.5-point dogs. Cowboys would go on and win the Super Bowl over Pittsburgh that year in the desert, but the Niners won that game, and I think it was like 31-7 or 31-13. Derek LaVille going high-stepping into the end zone at the end of the first half, and Dibs, I had the Niner t-shirt and hat, and I turned around to my section at the game, and I just started popping the t-shirt, just going, that's it! <laughs> Ball game! At that point, the Niners were the Super Bowl champs, right? So I'm like, the champs are in town! You guys can all go home! Thanks for coming. Oh, man. And I got beer and peanuts and all kinds of people throwing stuff at me, swearing at me. It was a great moment. No, those are great memories. And uh, to be there, I've never been. I've been around the stadium, Jera, the new stadium, certainly, down in Texas. I've never been inside it, but hard to miss it when you drive down there in Arlington, right next to Irving, and you see that big behemoth. But I haven't had a chance to get inside there yet. Did you ever go to the old uh, stadium in Irving? No, I haven't. The, where you know, it had the hole in the roof so, exactly. God, so God could watch his team, they said. And you'd always get that weird shadow as the sun would, would go across uh, the stadium. You get the, that odd sort of look on TV. So many games, some, some are all Madden, you know, watching those games. It always seemed like, you know, Dallas was going to be on, especially in the early days when there was no red zone, every game wasn't going to be on. You had your one game in the morning and you had your one game in the afternoon and that was pretty much it. My question to Carmen Policy when I've talked to him through the years, how many bowls would the Niners have had today? They're on, they've got five, they're going for six. How many would they have had if Carmen did not trade Charles Haley to the Cowboys? I mean that you know trading Charles seven or eight I mean, that would be like you know handing I don't know Draymond Green to the Celtics 
Right. Right now? Say, and then watch them beat you for three titles in a row with Draymond leading the way? I mean, that's... I'm trying to think what would be a comparison, but I mean, that was ill-advised. I mean, if they had another offer on the table, they should have taken it. Right, instead of taking the Cowboy offer, which uh, I'm just looking at it now, they got a second round pick and a third round pick in 94. They got a second in 92 and a third in 94. And when I asked uh, Michael Irvin when I was on with Damon a few, about a month ago or so, I said, Michael, how many of the, of the Cowboys' bowls would you guys have won without Charles? He said, none. Yeah. None. And he wouldn't have so won any without Charles. And it was all because of a personality clash with George Seifert, the head coach. And Charles Haley your nation sensation. Yeah, exactly. That's a buck right there for you, Larry. <laughs> Look at you playing along. 888-957-9570. Mark in Sacktown's been hanging on. He wants to talk about who he's scared of. And I'd like to revisit that with you as well, Larry. Who are you scared of, Niner fans, as we take a look at this Cowboy game? Mark, what are you doing? Oh, man, I'm just excited, uh, patiently waiting for this showdown. Um, I just want to say, Larry, big fan, the crew show. Man, that's a powerhouse you got going on over there, 95.7. We appreciate you opening the phone lines and making it available for everybody to give their take. But I just want to say, uh, I'm not really scared of anybody in the NFC at this point, even in the NFC. Uh, I want to say that I feel like Brock Purdy is the biggest, the biggest item we've got. And he's the biggest reason why we're doing so good. And I want to start off by saying, <clears throat> if you haven't already, put your money on San Francisco before it's too late. If you need to schedule a time off for the NFC Championship or the Super Bowl, do it now. Uh, I don't think <laughs> Dallas has a chance. I feel like the Niners blow them out in the second half. Uh, my, my score prediction is 48-31 Niners. Man. Uh, but, yeah, I don't believe anybody in the NFC has a chance, to be honest. Um if you don't believe me, uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to double down and say the Jaguars knock off the Chiefs as well on Saturday. Ooh, that's bold. numbers that I know that I'm aware of that are behind Trevor Lawrence and Brock Purdy. Uh, the numbers are behind them, and there's a reason why uh, Trevor Lawrence threw five picks and came back and all that. Like, there's a reason behind why these two quarterbacks are doing so well. I have a feeling the Jags are going to meet us in the Super Bowl, but. Um, yeah, if, if you haven't already, put your money on the Niners. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. Mark saying 48-31, that would be, I mean, I know we all look at Brock Purdy and say, okay, it's been 30 points a game or more. The offense is humming, but 48, to hang 48 on the Cowboys, that that would be an entertaining football that game, Larry, if it's 48-31. Oh, man, that would be like a college bowl game. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, that would be incredible. Um, I don't see Jacksonville. Beating Kansas City at Arrowhead, I I just don't see it. I don't see that. I think I'm. I think if I if I uh, you know got to that game late, I it would be twenty one nothing Chiefs. I just get the feeling that Kansas City's going to roll. If you were to pick an upset out of the four, eh, which one would it be? There's no doubt in my mind. I'm going with the New York Giants. The New York Giants. The are New gonna, York Football Giants. The New York Football Giants Thank are you. going to beat the Eagles in Philly. On Saturday, Let's be done. Thank you. We're gonna lock that. I, up. I really believe that. I love the kid from Walnut Creek. Um, the wide receiver from Berean Christian High School. He's playing fantastic. Isaiah Hodgins, he had over 100 yards last week. Saquon Barkley's playing well. 
Um, Daniel Jones ran for seven first downs. Yeah. Two of them were snakes, but five of them weren't. And he ran for 70 yards. He's running exceptionally well. And Dal- and New York Giants on defense, they're not there yet. They're going to be better in three years. But Dable's got them playing well. And they've got two guys on their front. You have to com- you have to double team. Dexter Lawrence is a monster inside at tackle. And Kayvon Thibodeau. Yeah. I mean, you got to. He's like one of the hottest edge rushers in the game. They're on the same line. So I think you can't combo block both of them. I like the G-Men. I think they're rugged. I think Philly's a little dinged up, a little rusty, a little nervous. Yeah, with some offensive line injuries as well. Ex- they're the one seed. There's expectations. The Giants roll in. Hurts, how far back is he? Is Jalen Hurts, how close to 100% is he going to be good question. with that same injury that Jimmy G had? And I, I know that it shouldn't limit him in terms of running the ball, but certainly throwing it, and I loved what I saw from Saquon Barkley last week. He looks fresh and rejuvenated. Yeah, and I'll tell you, and we, I mentioned this before about, you know, about, you know, taking a shot at the quarterback, but in this game, I would not hold back on Kayvon Thibodeau, you know, take, trying to take a little pop on that right shoulder that Travis Gibson of the Bears bounced on yeah. what, five, six weeks ago, and let's find out, you know, how healthy uh, Jalen Hurts really is. Giants are getting seven and a half in that one, and Larry's calling for an outright victory yeah, I'm, for the Giants. If I had to wager this weekend, I was thinking, what would I wager on this weekend? I would take Kansas, I would do a teaser, and I'd go Kansas City, uh, they're minus nine. I'd turn that into like minus one and a half. And then I would take uh, the Giants. They're getting seven and a half. I'd throw seven and a half. Give me Giants plus 15. Oh, you're Again, talking a seven and a half point teaser. Seven and a half point teaser. That's, I mean, that's too aggressive for me. You, that's pretty aggressive. Well, yeah, you don't get great odds when you go with a seven and a half point teaser. No, but you cash if you. You can, but you, I mean, you, a two I mean, team, I like a two team teaser is going to probably 15. still be about minus one thirty with uh, you're not seven getting, and a half points. Yeah, you're not getting great. You're not getting great value. True. That's for sure, but. I like the Giants with all those points. And the Chiefs, you can turn it down to Chiefs at home against the Jaguars, minus one, one and a half. I mean, the last caller thinks Jags are pulling the upset. Yeah. I don't. I I think you could use a five-point teaser and bring the Chiefs down to three and a half and still comfortably get 12 and a hook with the New York Giants. We're going way inside gambling here. It's, uh, <laughs> it's Dan Fortenbaugh here on 95.7 The Game. The Road to Glendale begins now, brought to you by Merrill West Credit Union, working for you today, tomorrow, Together, If I was to pick my upset of the weekend, it's the Bengals over the Bills. Bengals are getting five and a half at Buffalo. I think Cincinnati goes to Buffalo and they get the outright win. You think about, really? the, you think about the game that didn't happen, and I know that that was in Cincinnati, but the Bengals were showing you things in that game that they were up to the test. And I, I look at Buffalo last week against Miami. That was a scary one, Larry. Even though they ultimately got their offense going and they made it somewhat of a comfortable victory, although I I know Miami just lost by three, Buffalo couldn't put the Dolphins away with Skyler Thompson at the helm. Joe Burrow, since the opening couple of weeks of the season where he was off and he was erratic and he was a little bit scary, he's been fantastic. I know that Buffalo has been fueled by the DeMar Hamlin story, and it's great to see DeMar Hamlin. He's been at the facility almost every day, not ramping up to play, but certainly out of the hospital and feeling better, feeling well enough to go to visit his teammates. I like the Bengals outright to go to Buffalo and spoil the party for a neutral game in Atlanta. 
So it, it's bold, but I'll, I'll say this. I mean, you, you know, Buffalo's defense just gave up 31 to Miami with Skyler Thompson, yeah. their third quarterback. Um, I also have noticed that, you know, look at the quarterbacks who are still alive. Look at the quarterbacks who made it to the playoffs. There's an awful lot of, I mean, outside of Joe Burrow, who's a true pocket passer, but he also has a little bit of movement ability. The rest of the guys all can really move. And I just kind of wonder if that's the element that Brock Purdy really gives the Niners and if that's the element that Jimmy wasn't giving the Niners. I look at Brock Purdy, and in a lot of ways, you know, Trey Lance was supposed to be this multi-dimensional fast guy. I think effectively Purdy's faster than Trey Lance because of the one five yeah. five split in the ten yard split. He's got escapability. I love it when you talk ten yard split. You like that? I dropped that one five five. The one five five. Well, you know what Tyree kills is one five zero. So he's basically almost as quick as the cheetah, but with a better arm than uh, Tyree Kill. Probably. I, don't know. I haven't seen. I haven't seen the cheetah hurl it. Well, you're not alone in terms of being surprised by Brock Purdy's athleticism. John Lynch on the morning roast yesterday said basically the same thing about Brock Purdy. You know, the thing that probably, like, when people say, what surprised you? Because people say, are you surprised? Obviously, with this success, we are, you know, how well he's played. I think the area that probably has surprised us, you, you saw some running ability in college, but I didn't know he's this good athlete. He's a very good athlete. Yeah, same here. Carroll <laughs> calling him Fran Darkin. His, his, his ability to move on the field and create and extend, that has been surprising for us. I, I can't say that we saw that. I saw a good athlete. I did not see this. And so... So he he's been tremendous for us, and yeah, the athleticism. And I don't, I didn't hear him mention the uh, the ten yard split one five five, but he basically was echoing your comment about Brock Purdy and being surprised at the athleticism. Well, you know what it does is it gives Purdy the improv ability. I mean, it's like when the Niners when the Niners drafted Trey Lance, they drafted him because they envisioned Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. What do those guys have? They can make plays from the pocket, but they have mobility to improv, yeah. to make plays late in the down. And in Allen's case, he's got the size that Trey Lance has and, and the ruggedness that we thought that Trey Lance could bring inside the tackles and, and the run game. And so they drafted Trey with those traits, but then they also drafted Purdy with those traits. And now you're watching Purdy, and Purdy's literally doing what what Josh Allen does and what Mahomes does. He's athletic, he's tough, he's smart, he's poised, he's calm, but then he also has that quickness to escape and to improv when things break down. And you know, that's the thing. I mean, I talked to Greg Cosell 25 times about Jimmy Garoppolo in the last right. couple of years. And he always would say, hey, he's not a good late in the down thrower. If a Kyle designs it for him and he can get rid of it, boom, he's good. But if he's got to hold it, tuck it, exactly. and move around, it's, it's bad, bad things are going to happen. When I'm watching Purdy and he kind of gets out of structure, I'm thinking good thoughts. Yeah, and late in the down, that's a great way to describe it because, you know, th- when the play happens... First read, Jimmy G, one of the best that the 49ers have had because he can make the throw if he knows where it's going to go. But when he had to go to the second read, the third read, and if none of that's open and you have to improv, you got to buy time with your legs. Jimmy's not good at that. Brock Purdy's great in terms of movement and also the ability to still see it, to still be able to look downfield and make an off-schedule play. It's something that you know nobody saw in Brock Purdy coming into the season. The thing that really, I think, is next level is that with Shanahan, he knew that that after a number of games that Garoppolo 
off the play action from under center was lost. Like, it's when he turned his back on the defense, he turned back around. He was like seeing the picture for the very first time. Now we're seeing Purdy operate the play action game from under center. He turns his back on the defense. As soon as he flips around, he has a total account of where his receivers are in the route. Right. And he is literally about on the doorstep of releasing the football. So as he's turning back around. As he's turning yeah. back around. So that's innate. You know, that's that's something that's that's a gift. Yeah, we talked to his quarterback coach, Will Hewlett, and he was uh, referencing a thing called S2 cognition where they they basically test you to see how you react under pressure, whether or not you actually see it, what your quick decision-making ability is. There's tests that you can put athletes through in baseball and in football. I think soccer as well. I don't know if they have one for basketball, but you're able to actually rate if a player is going to have these skills. And this is something that I think more teams are going to start to adopt in terms of quarterback metrics because we always talk about with QBs, hand size and height and weight. 40 and times. Exactly. All of the bench old press school measurables. Exactly. Things when that matter not at all. Things that actually matter more are the things we're seeing now in Brock Purdy. Can you under duress, still be able to remain calm, find the open guy, make quick decisions, and deliver the football, and that's what we're seeing from Brock Purdy. Yeah, and and what you're also seeing is there's no statue quarterback. The the, the idea Remaining that, of the eight, right? The yeah. idea of that you know left. I mean, the, if you're a statue, then you can't move. Linebackers are two twenty. There's no such thing as a four seven running linebacker. They all run four five. Right. You look at the Niners. Greenlaw four five. Warner Aziz. They're all four five guys. So they're burners. They got tons of speed. And there's all kinds of these like hybrid safety slash linebackers that are two hundred and fifteen pounds. Well, so and if you look at the numbers, the guys who sack the quarterback used to be D tackles and D ends. Now there's fewer tackles or fewer sacks coming from D tackles and D ends and more coming from DBs. Right. So you need that. That means more speed is coming at the quarterback. You need more quickness to evade it. And more of an ability to make the quick decision to get rid of the ball and still be able to decipher what the defense is doing. 888-957-9570. What scares you about this Dallas Cowboy team? Is there a player? Is there a scheme that, that they might throw at the 49ers? What's got you worried, Niner fans? We're all very confident that the 49ers can and probably should win this football game. But what scares you? What's giving you a little bit of a pause? Danny White going to join us at 1130. All guests appear on the Bud Light guest line. Bud Light, easy to drink, easy to enjoy. And tune in to Warriors Live on 95.7 The Game, presented by Xfinity. Supercharge your home with supersonic Wi-Fi, unbeatable internet only from Xfinity. We'll go back out to the phones on the other side. What scares you about this Dallas Cowboy team? Danny White at 11.30. Larry Kruger is in for Mark Willard. It's Willard and Dibs. Stay with us on 95.7 The Game. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.